So, over the last several weeks, we have been talking about the gospel and about sharing it with other people. I think the frame of all of it is seeing that God says we do need to go, okay, and about what our role is supposed to be. So, uh, thinking back over the last several weeks, um, we are to be the aroma of Christ. We are citizens of heaven and ambassadors of Christ here on earth. Oh, yes, I forgot. Little kids, younger kids, they know what to do. But if there are any, if there are any younger kids, I forgot to let them officially be dismissed. So, up to five years old, I think. You're welcome. All right. Okay, so, aroma, citizens and ambassadors. God is the one who works, and God works through us. Then last week we were speaking of the way of salvation is for all people, and it's shared through God's people. This week, I want to look at a huge challenge in sharing the gospel. We recognize the importance of talking to other people about Jesus and about the gospel and the, the good news about Christ, but personally, it's not always easy to do that. Have you recognize that in your lives as you've wanted to share your faith? So, so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, some part of the challenge. Uh, we're also going to end the sermon in a little different way. I'm going to invite a couple of our leaders in ministry up here later, uh, some of our servant leaders, and I'll ask them a few questions. Um, and that goal is to connect some of the dots for how our church is spreading the gospel right now and um, see how God has been working in all of that as well. So, we've talked plenty about the what the why and the who of the gospel. Now we're looking more of the how of communicating it. How do we share the gospel with our world? This world that we live in, that we're part of, that surrounds us, our culture here and beyond. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So you're welcome to join me there. It is on page 952 in the Bibles that are in the seats there, if you'd like to grab one of those. 1 Corinthians 1. As we think through this passage, we're going to start with talking about worldviews. A refresher for some, um, and something perhaps new, a word that you haven't really con- contemplated before or thought about much. Um, we'll be reminded again of the place of boasting and the place of works, working for salvation. We'll have that interview, then wrap up with a challenge. I want to grow in my faith and be more like Jesus. So I want that application, and I want that challenge, which means all the rest of you get it too. So, and as God works, he will work in us for just the right things as the Spirit is moving in us. All right, 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18. I forgot to talk with the booth. I've got some slides. We'll see how well, since we didn't talk, we'll see how well we're able to communicate, making them happen. All right, so I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 1, 18, or starting in 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demanded, demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the, to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I'll stop there for now. Worldviews. I was talking with Jody the other day about FO2, our middle school and high school youth group. We, as, as our conversation went, we see the benefit of talking about apologetics. And though it seems that that'd be apologizing for our faith, that's not saying sorry for it. That's having a good defense, having answers to questions about Christianity, about what we say that we believe. There are challenges that come from our wor world, and the Bible, in my experience, has answers to all those questions. We may have to look, we may have to study, we may have to ask questions of others who know more about God's word than we know, but the Bible has answers. The reasons for living the way the Bible says life is, God has answers for us. I was a history major in college, and I really enjoyed knowing more of why the way things are. And as you study history, you have a better perspective of, oh, this is why we do things the way we do them now, based on all that, last century, last millennia, and all that. When I made it to seminary, um, studying God's word and many other aspects of Christianity, I, I saw how God has worked in his creation and it has shown me so much more about life as a whole, why things are the way they are. But there are many different ways of looking at life and drawing conclusions. I grew up in Texas, and there are blue bonnets and Indian paintbrushes, two types of flowers, along the highways all over the place in, in, in the spring. I remember books explaining the existence of those flowers, uh, children's books based on Native American myths. That's part of the worldview of that culture. We believe in the biblical worldview that God created those flowers. God created all things on, in those six days of creation. That's part of our biblical worldview. So, there are many different ways of looking at the world or worldviews. Why am I talking about all this? Because in verse 18... It says, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. They don't understand. They don't have that perspective to... Well, here's a definition for worldview, which we might have. There we go. Worldviews address the foundational, life-shaping questions about reality. It's a basic belief system. And everybody has one. It's the lens through which we see reality. Everybody on the planet sees reality through some lens. There are three main categories that you can classify eight billion people into. So these are broad categories, clearly. Atheism, the atheistic worldview. The pantheistic worldview, pantheism. Monotheism. 
And within that monotheism, so not believing in God, believing that God is everything, and believing that there is one God, which is monotheism, that's what we believe, within that monotheism is the biblical worldview. Each of these has different answers to the basic questions of life. One of the questions uh, of life is, why is there something instead of nothing? Atheism, or that broad worldview, would say there isn't a God, so because there's something now, there's always been something. Atheism, humanism, agnosticism would all fit into this. Agnosticism is believing that there's some higher power of some type that fits into this broad category. Pantheism says that God is everything and everything is God. Anybody ever watch Star Wars? The Force? There's a lot of pantheism in with that. Fits into that. So Hinduism and, and Buddhism in, in some part fits into this, along with New Age beliefs and spiritism. Monotheism says that an infinite God created the universe out of nothing. This one sits better with us, right? This is how we see the world. We see it in this way, though that's different from Islam or Judaism and other religions like that. All right. There are many basic questions. There are a lot of them. I, I've got a nice spreadsheet with a whole bunch of different questions and answers for the different ones. be happy to share that with you if you're interested. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There are basic questions. Here are two more. What is the problem with the world? What would we say? Alienation from God? Sin? Atheism, um, part of what they might say is the survival is fragile. Um, meaninglessness of existence. Those are problems. Pantheism could say an unenlightened existence or bad karma. By the way, as Christians, karma doesn't fit our worldview. It really doesn't. It doesn't fit with the biblical worldview. Um, solution to the problem. If the problem, what we say, is sin and um, being separated from God, the solution is salvation from faith in Christ. That's what we would say. Atheism, um, meaninglessness of existence and fragility of survival, uh, social progress through science is one thing that you see around us. The way for fixing the problem is pressing hard into science and making things better than they are now. For pantheism, you have enlightenment to become aware of one's divine nature. We, you see a little bit of this in our culture and our society. Our, our society is still, it, it's undergirded with Christian, Christianity because of how much, so much of our history. 
But that doesn't mean everybody has that perspective, that worldview around us. We, we know that. So any one of these three doesn't fully make sense to the others, which is why we're talking about this with the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. The biblical worldview and the prime importance of the cross of Christ in our lives doesn't make sense to other people. God's word said it doesn't make sense. It doesn't just not make sense. It seems like it's foolish. And as you try and put yourself in the perspective of one of those other worldviews or those who don't believe, <clears throat> this guy came and lived for a while. He taught some stuff. He died. That seems kind of foolish. And then you say he rose from the dead. Then you say he, he ascended into heaven. It sounds ridiculous, but only because we can put on the glasses of somebody who doesn't believe it. But since we do believe, it's not ridiculous. It's amazing. It's life. And I want everybody to see that it's life. So as we continue in the passage, we'll see more about communicating with others. In God's view, which is the one that matters the most in the end, whether anybody believes it or not is, is the one that matters, a foolish appearance brings salvation. The cross shows who God really is. In verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach, to save those who believe. It, it, how does this all fit with what's going on? Okay, so in the verses before, Paul is actually talking about the problem of divisions in the church. If you read the first part of chapter 1, some people are saying that I, I follow Paul. Okay? I follow Apollos. Okay? I follow Christ. That one definitely sounds the best of those three. Paul is saying, what are you talking about? Uh, maybe in our modern context, we could say, if you're hard and fast on your denomination, or that one speaker that you've watched on TV or listened to his podcast, so I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm with that guy. Yeah, okay. Maybe those guys have good things to say. Paul did. It's about half the books in the New Testament were written by him. God wrote them through him, we must remember. Paulus, Apollos was also a great guy. He was a much better speaker than Paul was, apparently. But it's all about Jesus. We've got to focus, fix our eyes on Jesus. It's not about all this other stuff. So Paul is thankful, actually, that he's not an amazing speaker because he wants everything that he says to point to Christ. He doesn't want people to come up to him um, and say, wow. You're an amazing speaker. They, they, he would rather they come up to him and say, wow, we worship an amazing God after hearing the sermon. People of any type can say things in amazing and gripping ways. And I desire to do that as a preacher, but that doesn't mean it's what's best. 
people may be popular. Some of the biggest churches in the country have speakers, preachers with big smiles, nice looking hair, and words that sound good, and may even have some truth in them. But that in itself is not what makes them worth listening to. What makes any preacher worth listening to is somebody who believes and preaches the gospel according to God's word. And that will sound ridiculous to most of the world. So take encouragement from a guy who was writing 2,000 years ago to a world in some ways more hostile than ours. Take encouragement. Verse 22. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. It's falling in part because it's not what people want, or at least it's not what they expect. You ever thought that about our, our faith? The Jews were looking for the conquering Messiah, which we are actually looking forward to now, but they missed the parts of the Old Testament that said the Messiah was going to suffer. I have a t-shirt that says Isaiah53.com, and it's related to a ministry to the Jewish people. And Isaiah 53 is pretty clear as we look at it, looking from the New Testament back to the Old, is that's talking about Jesus and how he suffered. Even when Jesus was on earth, the Jews who were there wanted more signs, even more than he did give them. You fed thousands and thousands of people out of a little basket worth of bread and fish, and we want more. You healed people. You raised Lazarus from the dead. Ah, can we have a little more, please? This does describe part of our society today. Wanting signs, wanting to see supernatural power. And some people in our society, in our city, are seeking for this supernatural power, but they're not seeking it from God. I've had some interactions with this, those seeking after demonic things. There is power there. It is not power that will be anything but destructive to them and anyone they love. And I was reminded in one of those interactions that I've got the Holy Spirit in me, who is far greater, God himself. And no, he may not work in exactly the ways we desire in every moment, but he is working. He's working for what's best. And he's got that perspective that we don't. The Greeks wanted wisdom, which also describes our society. Knowledge is power. You've heard this? I looked it up once, and there, there are many ways. In some ways, that's, that's part of Scripture, but it's always talking about God, specifically about God. According to the Mormons, knowledge is the power of God to salvation, which sounds about right, except it's not knowledge, it's the gospel is the power of God to salvation. That's what the Bible says. The truth about who Jesus is and what he's done. Merely knowing more things doesn't bring salvation. As hard as we see people around us trying, and as hard as we realize we've been trying too, that's not what brings salvation. Jesus isn't 
who these perspectives are looking for. And truly, he's not really who anybody is looking for, necessarily. Verse 22, or 24. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, which is Jews and everybody else, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. God works in people. God calls people to himself. Verse 25 says, The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The greatest amount of wisdom is still less than God's foolishness. And God at his weakest is still stronger than the strongest strength of men. God is God. So there's nothing to boast about. Those who are, being, who are called aren't called out of their greatness. They are called from weakness, not from greatness. Nice job, Jeff. He's got this. Verse 26, I'm going to read a few. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise. Oh, this is great. Just, this is great. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul is saying here, look, Corinthians, you weren't wise. Not all of you were wise, even according to what the world says. You didn't have amazing things going for many of you. But God. And I haven't heard all of your stories of how God brought you to himself. And some of you aren't don't have that story yet. But uh, I think most of us would say, we're, we're not special enough for God to want us. And no one on the planet is special enough for God to want them, but he does anyway. He chose what the world saw as foolish and what it recognizes as weak. Verse 28 it's a little easier to understand, I'd say, in a different translation. The CSB I've got here. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. What is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something. It's easier if you read it. So CSB is a good translation for that one. Verse 29, so that no one would boast. This phrase is in other places of scripture. Right where the gospel is pro proclaimed in Ephesians 2 as well. Verse 31 is part of a quote from Jeremiah, which is we've got here. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. The wise man boasts in his wisdom, which fits the worldviews around us. 
The atheistic worldview says the solution to the problem of the world includes social progress through science. There are so many things I could talk about right now that I have in mind with our world and science. Love to share with you more later. An unenlightened existence for pantheism, in some fashion, does include more knowledge and more work. Knowledge isn't bad in itself. Don't get me wrong. We do want to know more of God and more what he allows us to discover. He has given us this whole planet and universe, many things to see about him. Yet that won't bring the solution to the problem because the problem isn't lack of knowledge. It's alienation from God with human sinfulness. A strong man boasts in his strength. Solution to the true problem of life, not working harder. And faith can't rest on worldly wisdom, but on the power of God and through us. Um, I'm going to read the first five verses of chapter 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God." I won't talk too much about those verses. I think we've talked about these more in previous weeks, and if you totally don't remember, I think everything's online. I do want us to see that these truths are not just in one spot in the Bible, they're all over. So getting back to the idea of apologetics, being ready to defend our faith, I absolutely believe that there's benefit to that. But also realizing the truth of this is it's God who is the one who works. So as we're talking with unbelievers, we can also remember that we would still be enemies of God and right there with them, if not for the grace of God, if not for his work in us. We can't just think that we can logic people into salvation. That might actually be entering into a different worldview. And as we were looking before, we don't want to think that if God just did an amazing miracle in our town, everyone would believe. Even when Jesus himself did the miracles, not everyone believed. But it's absolutely God who works. The power of God, the Holy Spirit working to convict the world of sin, and certainly using us in his work of bringing people to the Father. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, it is by grace, God's free gift to us, that we are saved, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. That's the gospel. And the key verse, as I recall, of our third through fifth graders in Awana, right? Remember, too, though, Ephesians 2.10. 2.8 and 9 is the gospel, and 2.10 is, for we are his workmanship, or his masterpiece, his craftsmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we might walk in them. There's nothing we can do to be saved. It's God's work. But there's plenty of good things that God has for us to do, which are good for us and good for him. So, we're not called because we're great, but because God is great. The cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing. We've talked about some worldviews, some. We want to be sharing the truth of the gospel, and that is the power of God. In our church, we're about making disciples. Because that is God's mission to the church. the great commission. Matthew chapter 28. So that's what Oak Grove is about. In many different ways. We've got our five branches. This is our path of discipleship. Starting in branch one, which everybody takes. And then you don't have to go in order with the others necessarily. And branch one is in some ways an introduction to the faith. And in other ways just reminding us of the basics of being a Christian. And we've got one of these available starting September 12th. We have them with consistency. Also, coming up this fall, we have the Kingdom Man and Kingdom Woman Studies, which we want everybody to be part of, men and women. Uh, this is... Uh, they'll take some time, but I think it's worth it. I read the Kingdom Man book a few months ago, and the biblical perspective about what it is to be a man is great. I really appreciate it. Is it perfect? No. Would the author say it's perfect? No. That's not the point. We all want to be more like Jesus, and things like this helps. It helps keep our focus in the right place on Jesus, where we want our eyes to be fixed. There are too many influences in our culture all over the place vying for our attention, but we want our eyes to be on Jesus in the midst of all of that. For families, the church is also here to come alongside, to encourage and equip. Uh, we, have, we have parts that we can help with that. As parents, you are the main disciplers of your kids. We realize that. Um, Awana is our, our biggest uh, children's ministry equipping of parents, families, kids. And we want it to be all of that. But that's not quite two hours a week. And out of the 168 hours, depending on how young your kids are, they sleep for half of that or not anywhere near half of that. Even four months olds sometimes don't sleep as much as their siblings. I don't understand. But that's okay. As long as he's being held. No. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think that one was mine, but that's good. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, okay. So now it's my turn. Uh, Frank and Lisa, would you come on up here? Um, speaking of Awana, um, I want you to see a little bit of how God, through his spirit, has been working in these two servant leaders in the church. I'm really excited for these two to serve. The more I spend time with them, the more I am. They even coordinate today. That was Frank. That was Frank. Great. Learning more about you all the time. So, 
I have some Awana-related questions for you, which most of them they've been prepared for, I think. Thanks. All right. All right, real quick. And I don't know if you figured out who's going to answer what. I was told that one answers more briefly and one answers with wonderful stories that will help us remember. Oh, Mike. That'd be helpful. Thank you, Judy. Everybody can hear you. All right. Um, real quick, where, were you, where are you originally from? Where do you live now? I'm from central Wisconsin, a small town called Manawa. And I'm originally from also a, um, a small town in southwestern Wisconsin called Stitzer, and now we live in just north of Albany. Cool. About 15 minutes away. All right. Um, how long have you been married? How many kids and grandkids do you have? In October, just another month or so away, we'll be married 35 years. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What was the other part? Oh, oh, we have two boys, and both of them are married to wonderful, wonderful women, and uh, four grandchildren total, three boys and a girl. Neat. All right. Um, what bro brought you to Oak Grove? You've been coming for a little while. Yeah. How long? A bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> Great. God uses everything. I'll... <laughs> Did you get stung or, man, he's the story guy. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, well, we had been watching online, uh, participating online for a couple of months. And um, first of all, we realized that the teaching was just right on par. And uh, yeah, then there was a, a day that uh, we were really trying to consider and praying to God, um, are we supposed to go there? This is all during... COVID, and so that morning uh, we were praying. I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go out outside and just be with God and just listen to the message at the same time. Technology, I had my phone, went outside the service door of our house. Nice view, cool, it's got flowers, and Josh is giving the message, and he's talking about God's creation, and we know that Josh is an engineer by trade. So he's talking about the bumblebee. And by rights, the bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly. And I'm listening to this, and as I'm sitting down right next to me, and I'm not kidding, this far away, I could touch the flowers, there's this bumblebee. So I'm watching this bumblebee, and and just looking how massive this thing is as Josh is describing this. And I said, okay, God, I, I get it. <laughs> We're supposed to go to Oak Grove Church. Neat. All right, so you ended up here. And then how did you end up serving in Awana? How did that happen? Another bumblebee? Fly? No, that was my wife. Butterfly? <laughs> okay. But there's really... There's really three major reasons why I look back. Uh, number one, obviously, it's, it's the working of the Holy Spirit through God's Word. And I'd like to share a few verses about that. That's appropriate for some person from Awana. Oh, great. Awana is a lot about memorizing verses, especially when kids 
their brains are so much better at memorizing than Amen. I'm not old, but compared to their brains, I'm old. It's amazing. That's it. The second would be uh, circumstances. So we're at a part of our life right now. We, we don't have uh, children, so there's more time uh, available. There's also um, branch, how branch affected us. And then what's happening in our world and the culture and a sense of urgency. That would, so that's number two. The third reason would be God's people. Uh, I can't, I don't want to mention names, but there are numerous people that, that encouraged us, that say, hey, you'd be a good fit. Sometimes when you get it from other people, you don't see it. Uh, and then lastly, but most important, would be uh, prayer. So those, those are the reasons. So can I share a, a few verses? That'd be great. No, so, you can't share verses in church. <laughs> no, of course. I love your quick wits. Good. <laughs> so based on what's happening in the world, we don't need to talk about all the things that are happening in the world right now. But I think in general we can say there's a great deal of deception going on. And in Matthew 24, keeping, we have to remember that this is in context of Jesus coming. Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. So with that deception, that, that's just really hit, hitting on me, especially now that we're being married for 35 years, we have grandchildren, and we're concerned about the children. And deception, they're the most vulnerable. Another verse, uh, it's in Ephesians chapter 6, where it talks about, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, in spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. So it's not like we're saying, we want you to join the battle. We're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. We know about the armor of God, so we won't get into that. But when you look at the armor of God, the helmet, the shoes, the, the, uh, the breastplate, the belt of truth, and the sword. The uh, shield. Thank you, God's people. Which I was supposed to bring today. I was supposed to bring a sword. And I'm sorry, Frank, I forgot. You're it. good. I think the point here is the only, when you think about it, the only offensive weapon is a sword. The sword of the Spirit. I have a Bible. There it is. Put it up. Which is the Word of God. So we want to arm our children for battle. Sword. It's the word of God. And lastly, the, the verse, two verses that came back over and over. Um, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So like, okay, okay, God. I guess we're supposed to do this because it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle of the mind. They're after our children. 
and they're attacking their minds, so we have to give them the sword so they know the truth. Amen. Amen. So we can talk a little bit about branch, if you want to mention that was the other branch four and the circumstance that, that uh, made an impact on both of us. We were just in the middle, um, well, Frank was asked to do Awana in February, and we were, at the time, doing Branch 4, which I highly recommend. Um, it, it was a clarifying time, and, and I guess when we were asked to, we were just thinking, there is no way we can do this with his schedule. He's not retiring anytime soon, just so you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, but we knew it was a lot of work, and, um, and we just didn't think that we were ready for that. Um, and also, in my, my normal ministry, I am not really able to do that, at least in a reliable fashion. So um, there were a lot of doubts. But uh, Branch 4, where they go into, the, they talk about the parable of the talents, and they talk about how you really um, zone in, let's find out how God has gifted you, and, and then start putting those to work in whatever way you know, God is presenting to you. Okay, church, I'm going to need some help. So there was a verse that was very impactful that came over and over and over, not only in Branch 4, but in podcasts and Bible reading. I'm like, holy, just, wow, Holy Spirit, you're just giving me the business. So I'm going to try to do the verse. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounded in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Hey, we did it. <laughs> Woo. This is like a wanna. We need, we need help. Jaybird. Now, now you understand better what it's going to be like, except he'll probably be lower to the ground. Yes. Because yes. Frank loves to be right with the kids. It's really cool. So um, what did you first think when Allie asked you? To, to serve as the leaders of Awana? Well, kind of mentioned that um, in that um, there's just no way. <laughs> there is no way because we, I just knew what um, some of the demands were like, but especially on his job. His, uh, his busiest months in his job are July and August, and those are months that you do so much of the prep. And then throughout the year, anyway, that's, we're just like, the, it, very overwhelming. For, for me, it was, you're too old for this. <laughs> Good answer. I love it. And that's something that God really showed me. And I think it really came to light when I came to visit your family. Which was how many months after you said yes? It was after we said yes. Like, what are we doing? So we, we came to your house, and what did we do? The first thing we did, we asked the kids, who wants to play games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I learned so much while we were at our house a few weeks back about how to relate with my kids. So I, I, I think it's ridiculous that Frank thought he was too old. But so, I'm glad he said yes, 
in spite of that hesitation. I realized really that delayed. night, and I think everybody in this congregation will relate it. And I'm so glad we sang that song. Jim encouraged us all to do that because I realized I'm just a big kid trapped in an old man's body. <laughs> right? And I love it. I see some of our uh, older generation people can relate to that. We still feel young. We just look old. We are old. <laughs> Crown of glory, though, according to God's word. Amen. And wisdom, which I want to keep learning from. Um, okay, a couple more things. We've talked about how it's God who is at work in bringing people to himself. How have you noticed God in this process of leading our Awana ministry? You've already said some of that. How have you seen God work to raise up people to serve in Awana this summer? I'm going to let my wife answer first because if we didn't do this in partnership, there's no way that we would be sitting up here today. So I'm going to hand it over to you to start. Wow. There have been so many people. Um, well, first of all, I know that all of the volunteers that helped out last year and in years before, I mean, they have really set um, a standard, and they've really been faithful in their service, and there were some people that weren't able to do it um, this year, uh, but they have been very encouraging, and we've had just people literally just step up to us. They don't even know. They didn't really even know the actual need that we had. But one person came up and said, you know, I, I just feel like God just keeps impressing upon me sparks. Sparks. And I'm like, oh my goodness, we need sparks. <laughs> and, and then another person which um, we just had an administrative person, a, a secretary, move into a, uh, a TNT, which is Truth and Trading, the older um, division for Awana, and which that was an answer to prayer, and that was something that she was feeling God impressing upon her. And then another person who has been serving and was thinking about taking the year off God just kept impressing upon that person, secretary, secretary, secretary. And I'm like, we need one. But they didn't know, they didn't necessarily know these things. We didn't have to go out and like just find people. Um, people have just, God has impressed upon them to come forward. So um, prayer was just a huge part of it. God is just, God does all of the raising up of this. He's, and these are, these are people who are committing um, because they know, they know that they have to step out because God has told them. Awesome. One more story. Uh, as we were preparing for the, for the year, and I just want to thank Allie for the direction and all the instructions, it's, it's amazing. She's an amazing administrator, she, so we're very thankful for that. But as we're preparing for the year, we didn't do the carnival last year, and that was one of the things I was asking Lisa, like, oh, are we gonna be able to do this? This is our first year, we're, we're newbies at this. So we're like, we, Lisa's like, like she always does, we need to pray about this, Frank. Oh yeah, that's right, we gotta do that. 
So it really does help. It does. It's yeah, relying. It's everything. So that Sunday we had not going to mention names at this time, but we had someone come up and said, "Hey, I've got an idea that would really be fun. We could involve the whole congregation and bring everybody together to work on this. What do you think?" I just look up to God, like, wow, this is answered prayer. So that's in the work. More details to come. We're not going to talk about that right now, but it's, we're really super excited on not only what it can do for us as a family here, but for outreach. So more, uh-huh. to, come. more to come there. Yeah. Looking forward to it. And one last thing. As you prepare for the new year of Iwana, what are you looking for? Volunteers? Prayers? What do you have for us to be praying about? Biggest needs? Uh, prayer is the biggest thing. <clears throat> um, if you just feel inclined, I pray that you do that. Um, you just pray for God to do his work because we want God to be given all the glory in it. And we want him to raise up these children. We want him to speak through us. We want him to just encompass the whole ministry. Um, second of all, volunteers. We've got some great volunteers, and we're, again, we're thankful for everybody who's been there in the past. And uh, um, but we are we need a couple of positions yet. Um, we had one Sparks. This is exciting. We had I got an email last night at ten thirty uh, last night that I opened up, and I'm like. <gasps> There's somebody taking a Sparks position. <laughs> but we still, we did lose our um, teacher directors due to either circumstances or moving. And, and um, so we need uh, two more there. And we need helpers of all kinds if you feel inclined. If there's something that you even feel God saying, I need to be involved with Awana, then just come talk to us. Because we can, there are different ways. There are different ways we need my message is to the kids. So kids out there, pay attention. Be ready to have fun. We're going to have fun memorizing God's word. And a message to the older kids. There might be some kids, you know, ah, I'm, I don't want to do a wanna. It's too much work. You're the future leaders. The younger kids are going to be looking up to you. So we really need you so that you can learn leadership and be there for the younger kids, okay? Parents, we need you most of all. <laughs> this is why she's along. We need you to sign up. So we, we want to minister to kids. Uh, last and not least, we love this church. It's such a healthy church, multi-generational church, and we can all serve. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you too. I'll let you head back to your seats. I'll wrap up our talk and then I'll pray for all this here in a minute. Yeah. It's going to be a good year of Awana, good school year, good a lot of things by God's grace. And for parents too, you remember, this is not just for the kids. It's for all of us and our whole families. So, uh, to wrap up, 
the cross of Christ is foolishness to our world. But God has worked in us to see his truth. And we want God to be working on those kids to see the truth and to be firmly rooted in the truth that God gives us. It's not about us. It's about what God has done. And now that this uh, a series is finished, know that it's never really done. The, the series about sharing our faith and what God has for us with that. We are to serve right where we are, sharing the truth of God with everybody around us as he provides the opportunities, praying for the Spirit to work in us and in others that everybody would draw near to Christ. Paying attention to God's leading, following the Spirit. How do we do that? By all the normal churchy things, really. Things we learned when we were young. Being in God's Word, that's hearing from Him. Talking with Him in prayer. Spending time with other believers. Those who are farther along in the faith. And those who are behind us, perhaps. We keep listening to how He is leading us. Several stories of leaders volunteering this summer were following what God was leading them to do. Frank and Lisa said yes, even when they still had doubts, because they, they saw that that's what God wanted them. And God has smoothed out more and more of those doubts. God has shifted my thinking in the last few weeks as I've gotten to go through this stuff and I've considered all of this. I'd love to share with you more specifics that I haven't up here and I'd love to hear what God has been doing in your lives. Whether it's direct application that we've been talking about or something else related to all of this. For now, we want... Let's all consider in this world... This world that sees a life like this as foolish. The cross of Christ is foolishness to those who are perishing, the word of the cross. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. What's next in your walk with Christ? Let's pray. Dear Lord, please continue to show us more of yourself. Continue to... Build in us the, uh, the truth, that we would understand still more and more, that we would be attentive to how your spirit is working, that we would strike up those conversations, or as we see that a conversation is turning and, and could have an opportunity to share about you, give us boldness. Please, God, work in us. Thank you for all of your scripture. We've just touched a few things each of these mornings as we, on, we only ever get to a few verses each Sunday. Thank you that there's always still more and more to discover of you. Thank you for Awana. Thank you for that ministry and the many others of people who are committed to you and committed to your service and want to raise people up. That we are making disciples here at Oak Grove and may that always be the case that this church and this body of believers until Christ comes back. May we be faithful to the calling that you have called us to. Lord, I ask that you would work for this Awana year that it would be the best yet. Thank you for a transition from one leader to a couple others. And Lord, bless that as you have already. Bring in just the right leaders, adults and teens, and may they see that it's not just for the kids that were here, but you're using all of this for all of your church. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for all you do and all you are. 
Thank you for your great blessings for us. In the midst of a world that is a hard place to be. You are faithful, and may we be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen.